Hey, all right, this is Tim Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast. It's Brandon Kelly. Brandon, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? I'm pretty good, man. Um, you know, it's just another day. Um, really, there's nothing to report at this point um, anymore. Just uh, sitting around waiting to die, you know? <laughs> Hanging out in your tank top. That's right. That's right. 80 degrees here in Chicago. Uh, beautiful summer's day in chicago we don't have sleeves well brenda doesn't have sleeves i don't have sleeves on my pants i have the the sleeveless pants going on right now which is quite the look <laughs> and that, that reminds me last week when we were talking about uh you know the cover of the record that we were talking about today which is mm-hmm. gather up the chaps um and you use the phrase assless chaps mm-hmm Which seems to me to be something of um, of a redundant statement. Um, chaps are assless by definition. There's no like full assed chaps. I mean, there are some full assed chaps, but that's the other <laughs> meaning of chaps. You know. <laughs> so yeah, that is that is a good point. The uh, the double negative there. Um, my question is. Uh, What's up with a cheese pizza? What what's the you... point of what's the point of calling it a cheese pizza? Well, a lot of people call it plain pizza, plain slice. That's what they say in New York. Yeah, that's true. That's because that's because New York's ahead of the curve. Well, you know, you know in Italy, a lot of the pizzas out there don't have cheese on them. Like you can get a pizza that's just tomato sauce and fucking I don't know basil and shit like that. Like I a, hate the Europeans. They just steal all of our good ideas and make them less fun. It's true. Like democracy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, democracy, last... pizza, <laughs> not being circumcised. Last week, we got started on gather up the chaps and this week before we start because we only got in through tracks one two and three but before we start this week i wanted to ask you because spotify i was listening to the record in preparation and i like to go on spotify just so i can you know also throw you a bump the numbers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um but spotify auto played Unicronography and the angry, the angry cry of the angry pie comes up, and it reminded me of a story that I heard around the time of us recording that podcast. It's something that I didn't ask you about, but what I heard was that the uh, oh 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 was a little bit of a dig at Ted Leo. Confirm or deny? Oh, full deny. Um. I don't know enough about Ted Leo to even like have mm-hmm. an opinion. Yeah. I've like listened to a couple of his songs and I was like, it doesn't really do anything for me. I know a lot of people love this. So it's like, I have, I have nothing against it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it definitely doesn't like offend my sensibilities. Maybe I just heard the wrong songs, but you know, it's kind of like I'm getting old. Um, I don't really, you know, it's like, he, I, I hear one song and I'm like, eh, it's uh-huh. fine. I trust that there's probably good stuff in his catalog and I'm probably missing something, you know, but not enough to 
like really go back and give it a good try. It's a little like Elvis Costello rock and rolly for my taste, mm-hmm. from what I've heard. And that stuff is not my favorite generally. Like that's a place where I diverge from a lot of people. I'm not a big Elvis Costello fan. Oh, that's interesting. In fact, I kind of. Oh, dis- we talked about that because yeah, there was the Elvis Costello. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, not, not enough to like. I dislike the music. Like if it's on, I'm, I would. Mm-hmm. You'd probably see me be like, "Can we change this?" But I think he seems like a cool guy, and I like like what he's all yeah. about. You know, I like the mm-hmm. idea of Elvis Costello. I'm just not a big fan of the music. Yeah, for sure. Maybe dig. Uh, a dig at Ted Leo was uh, improper phrasing, but was the, um, I guess, were you stealing a little bit with that, O's, or were you just riding the wave? Were you riding the good vibes of that bridge over um, there? No, no, not at all. I was really, really purely trying. It's more like Ween inspired than anything, that whole part. Uh huh. You know, like, yeah, yeah. What, I mean, just like, the wings beneath my wing, the wind beneath my wings is burnt and stale. You know, like it's it's just like that was that's just like if there's anything that it's doing, it's like a tip of the hat to Ween. It's definitely there's nothing that's even remotely a dig in that yeah. song. Ween was a band that just totally like slipped past me up until like maybe five years ago. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I love Ween. Um, we've all been huge Ween fans for a long time. Like, uh, when I was like 16 and I got the Pure Guava record right when it came out. And, you know, we were just like getting stoned and like sitting in cars that had been like snowed over. Like, uh-huh. there was like a, a truck in the football field of our school during like the winter. Mm-hmm. And I'd sneak out into the fucking cab of that truck. It was all snowed over and you could just sit in there and get high because. <laughs> you know he couldn't leave the campus but nobody th- would think to look for you in a truck that was covered in snow right you know but it was just like a maintenance truck mm-hmm. that's fun <laughs> cool times. i do like that very much that's a that's a fucking link later scene if mm-hmm. i ever heard one you know as i think back about it now as a 44 year old man um there was clearly just a fresh set of footprints going right to the truck. So, and, and not going anywhere. Um, so, it probably wasn't the fucking James Bond, like, fucking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, secret hideout that I imagined it to be at the time. But, yeah, uh, I, I think if uh, if someone was doing even the tiniest bit of investigating as to mm-hmm. um, where one might be, or if somebody was out there for some reason... They would say some of these footprints. So it's a good thing you weren't doing more than getting stoned. Yeah, but I mean, it was like 1992 or something. So getting stoned back then was very illegal still. Yeah, very illegal. But you're also you were still a white person then. So (laughs) it couldn't have turned out that poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Skeleton Dance is the fourth song on Gather Up the Chaps. What's going on in, inside of your home right now? It sounds like I know, I, I think, there's I think a I, helicopter flying above. Clearly someone is vacuuming. I apologize. Uh, um, I will uh, not be able to control the elements of the vacuum from down here as much as I wish I could. I, I believe <laughs> it will be very quick, and then it will be gone. I but, sure hope so. Yeah, I mean... 
Yeah, no, I mean, we've got like 10 little kids from, uh, you know, uh, third world countries that come in and vacuum. So it's mm-hmm. like they've each got a little vacuum. Yeah. You know, so each room Fantastic. takes about like five seconds. Just, oh, wonderful. It's like it's like a bunch of bunch of little Roombas <laughs> that you don't have to change the batteries in. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? good. that's good. And, and uh, yeah. I'm sure you've got closet space for all of them to sleep in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we yeah, but I mean, they sleep in the garage. But uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, so, yeah, Skeleton Dance. It's a song. It's the next song. It sure is. And uh, quite the journey this song takes us on. We <laughs> we started one place, and then we, uh, I think, passed through a few circles of hell uh, before we wind up, you know, looking yeah, at tomorrow, and it's just going to be the, another day of terrible shit. Yeah, it's um I guess the first thing to point out is that's my daughter singing the skeleton dance song at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she is in a very real way responsible for the title of the song because she was just singing that song and I was like, Can I record you doing that? And she said, mm-hmm. Sure. And then the way she does doing the skeleton dance. And it's like it goes to that weird like like diminished minor thing that like mm-hmm. you know only kids can do mm-hmm. or whatever and i played it for dan and he was like yeah he's like that's fucking scary as hell sounding you know and so then and i was like oh that name would be really appropriate for like what's going on in this song mm-hmm. so um so yeah that's um that's what that's all about it's nice when you can have a a little a little you that you live with who just like frightens you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that um, that's cool. I don't really, I'm not really like big on like the cutesy shit, like putting babies on album covers and shit. I mean, like, uh uh-huh. obviously, <laughs> Nirvana is a notable band that put a baby on an album cover. Um, Which but, one? Uh, yeah, I know, I can't think of it now, but the um. But the idea of like putting your kid on the fucking front of a record, like holding a beer or something, or like with a yeah, cigarette yeah, yeah. in its mouth, it's just like so, like it's just like ew, gross. Like, did you do this shit for your cousins? You know, like I I don't want to see it. Yeah. You know, like I, I got I got nothing to do with your family. But in this case, I just thought it sounded so creepy that it was just like to have a little kid do this. Mm-hmm. It there it was a um uh. What would I call it? Like farmed out uh, performance by, you know, like a, 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 a artist for hire. It just happened to be my daughter. You know, you know what I mean? And that's great. You don't have to pay her. No, I sure don't. Well, I mean, very real way. Most of my money does go to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, she really makes all the royalties <laughs> off of this record. <laughs> if we're really being technical. Um, yeah, I think that there's something really spooky in uh just like the way kids can sing i think of like you know one two freddy's coming for you and it just occupies that like kind of wavering like tone yeah it is uh I, there's a reason people do it and there's a reason it's overdone yeah and there, then there that becomes the reason that it doesn't get done more often you know what mm-hmm. i mean um but yeah, I mean, a little good placement of a fucking kid is, is like, 
you know, it's like the fucking like the I never seen the movie The Ring, but you know, you just see that fucking oh, yeah. little girl like pop uh-huh. up in the back at the back of the mirror, and you're like, ah, that's fucking <laughs> that's fucking terrifying, you know. And I don't know, it's just like a little little touch of texture on this. You should here. watch that movie. It's a good movie. I don't like shit like that, man. I, yeah. My life is scary enough as it is. We uh, we watched the Blair Witch Project the other night. Jade never seen it. I hadn't seen it since like the year two thousand. Fantastic, great oh. movie. I remember I remember watching that movie and being like, I really like what they're doing here. And then ultimately being like, what? Mm-hmm. That what? Ha- I don't I don't get it. I don't know what happened. Yeah, and, and like not like I don't know what happened. Like uh-huh. like the fucking see. I'm, I'm like these are all references that I don't even. I've never even consumed. I never saw Lost. So it's like the end of Lost. Everyone's like, what happened? And, you know, there's, mm-hmm. and then the end of Sopranos, everyone's like, what happened? And, you know, I don't know what happened at the end of any of these things. But at the end of the Blair Witch Project, I know for sure I don't know what happened. It seemed to me like, oh, they spun around and there's like some fucking clothes or something hanging in the corner that like maybe could have been a person and like, mm. Ooh, you know, like uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I felt like that that the hook of that movie was so great, you know, like the whole like these documentarians disappeared in the woods and like years later their footage was found. It's like fuck yeah, awesome. And then like the whole marketing like blitz that surrounded everybody's like interest in that was really cool. Where they started talking mm-hmm. about how like you know they just like go out there and torture these people and like basically give them all scripts and nobody knew what was going on. Which was interesting, and then I think the hype kind of wrote a movie, uh, wrote a check that the movie couldn't really cash, is my opinion on the Blair Witch Project. But it did cash a lot of checks. I mean, like, yeah, that is, that is true. A lot of money. <laughs> it doesn't help that I went to see that movie because Skiba, who I was like attached at the fucking hip to at the time, was like, I saw this fucking movie yesterday. You are going. Today and I was like, but I'm gonna no. You're going to see this movie today. Mm-hmm. I believe he even went with me again. So it was like I was, I don't know. He was just t- talking about how it was like the fucking scariest movie you'd ever seen. You're talking I about Matt Skiba. Yeah, was he? He was into that shit. Yeah, weird. Yeah, totally. But he, he we. uh <laughs> I remember even kind of trying to talk myself into thinking that it was really scary. And I was just like, oh, yeah, man, terrifying. But then, mm-hmm. I don't know. In hindsight, I think I was just like, you know, pretending to like the suicidal tendencies or whatever. But in movie form. Um, I know that I know that this, ha- this, this conversation came and went. But you know the cover of uh, Afghan Wigs Gentleman? Uh-uh. It's got the... It's got the uh, kid on the cover of it it's a famous album cover okay uh, i trust you oh my that's uh frank mcnally he was in my kindergarten class oh that's pretty so, cool yeah yeah wild and my dad was like hey this is your friend frank i'm like no it's not and then he asked them at a soccer game he asked frank's parents is this frank and they're like yeah why do you have that record weirdo i was like tight pretty cool Shout out to Frank McNally, if you're out there. Frank McNally, I miss you. I haven't seen you since 1995. Um, so, Skeleton Dance. Um, 
I again, yeah, the like descent of this song is super fun. It really just like it's like a three part journey. Yeah. Um Yeah, the beginning is obviously the fuel to so many of these like narrators are by like a sort of selfish drug induced id sort of thing going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, and all, and also like the idea of like hanging around with people you don't like because they've got something that you want, like whether it's like, you know, you're trying to fuck somebody or they've got a bag of drugs and you want some of the drugs or like uh-huh. they're, they're, um, they're big wheel down at the old fucking Pontiac dealership and you want a shot, you know, like whatever the fuck it is, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's all like sort of a rich tapestry of metaphor that is easily summed up in, um, <laughs> the notion of complete frustration when you realize that like you've been standing around and whatever you're like looking for is either dissipated or not happening. And you're just like, oh, you fucking <laughs> fuck you people. I don't believe I just fucking wasted my night doing this, you know, or whatever. Um, was just and, down on my knees for no reason. Now my yeah. knees hurt. Exactly. And so, um, yeah. And then, you know, it's like, obviously like goes into like some sort of self-flagellation and like on the, on the way home or whatever, and uh, I really like the chorus on this song. I think the melody is really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, the the bleed for me is, and you know that's like obviously lyrically referential referential to the same sort of topic. Like you know nothing costs nothing up in this piece. Yeah, um, there, there's like a big. I think Requiem for a Dream was kind of like loosely an inspiration for this. Not a movie I particularly enjoyed, but mm-hmm. um, just like the sort of like, you know, you sell yourself for something that ends up like kind of killing you yeah. kind of vibe, you know, like mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting like humanity there that I was kind of working with. And then, um, and then when it gets into that, like, like the last sort of aggressive thing in this song which is the they're fucking on the screen part yeah i mean that's clearly uh somebody watching porn on their computer uh oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you built that up like uh like there was a particular that we that was um going to serve as an inspiration which I mean, I th- I think people can use their imaginations there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like party in each hand. Like love can be buried, love can be bought. It's you're in this like space of like who who can I just like sell a little bit of my soul to, so I yeah, can like, I mean get out of this right, and it's like. Uh... You know, my thought for like a party in each hand, that's like obviously like you're drinking or smoking something or something like that over here. You're trying to whack off over here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to like um, use like the fucking artificial sweetener of porn to stimulate the 
nodes in your brain that fire off when you're in love or somebody's loving you, you know, and like you're reflecting on this like night of bombastic bravado that ended with you fucking storming out of a place and <laughs> just like really just like some pathetic turd <laughs> sitting alone. Yeah. So, I love the la- the ladies at the door were a little too hard. It's like wait, what how did that how did that go down? Like they well, they weren't letting you in. They were you know, it's a well, funny like bit of um I guess like transference of well it's what, it's their I mean, fault. Well, I feel like my thought here was like this is like somebody that's like very defeated after this sort of like roller coaster of non events mm-hmm. and um attempts to like keep the night going in a way. Like, okay, this you know, this love can be buried, it can be bought, but you know, I'm a rough rider, right? Like I'm uh-huh. I'm going back out there, people. And so, you know, you fucking walk down to the bar at the end of the street then or you, I guess you drive down in this case because you do definitely sit in your car. But um uh and you just see like the fucking gaggle of fucking mean looking bitches hanging around outside and you're like Oh no, I can't go in there. No, I can't. I couldn't possibly <laughs> go in there. I'm not. I don't. No, no. <laughs> you know, and um, so you so you sit in your car. Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and, then, and you and you lose your mind, <laughs> man. Yeah, the the requiem for a dream sort of makes sense here because it's just like, all right, I guess it's time to just fully detach. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything for anybody now because I'm just so broken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, yeah, it's sort of like reaching out for like a, the la- a last, I mean, this, this, this song is really about grasping for any sort of like affection or love in, in places that, in a, in a cold world, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether it's like, through drugs, through like st- internet stimulus, whatever that is, or through like you know associations with strangers. If you're a fragile soul, you're not strong enough for any of that shit. If the real thing's not around, you know. Yeah, just give up. Give up now. <laughs> Try and find a an accounting job somewhere. Yeah, and then the I mean the end is obviously pretty self-explanatory. Like uh, it's just like up. Uh, night sucked made me very ill i'm gonna be very ill tomorrow i'm gonna be very ill the next day Uh. (laughs) i really like in the they be fucking section like dan's backing vocals are super cool and i really like dave's guitar because i think it kind of really brings everything up it like raises the stakes of all that's being sung about that whole part, man, I, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Like, I remember just like sort of like sitting there with Dave and arranging those like guitar parts. This is one, the beginning, he had like this thing um, at the beginning that was like, it it almost was like, it was really like pop punky for, for before like the, like when it kicks in mm-hmm. at, at the very top of the song. 
And it was something like, and he was like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, I think it's too clean, man. I think this song is very dirty and fucked up. And like, and he was like, what about something like this? And then he just goes like, you know, and I was like, yes. And he's like, okay. He's like, I'm scrapping literally everything I've got written for this song. This vibe, I, he's like, now I understand what's, what uh-huh. we're going for here. And then he just, like, fucking pumped out this this shit. It's so fucking cool. You know? And then, like, and this is, like, sort of, when we were putting this one together, like, this is one of the ones where I felt like we were all starting to really vibe in terms of, like, what this record was about. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel like it sort of has, like, a centerpiece vibe on this record, even though, yeah. and, like, I don't know that this is, like, the most fucking popular song it's very weird because like we felt i didn't even recognize this when i wrote it or even when we recorded it but when we play it live it sure fucking becomes obvious that 50 percent of this song is just me and a guitar yeah <laughs> like uh <laughs> like the entire end is just like it's very weird um but um you know like dave was like i want to do that they be fucking too Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's like the they be fucking, they be fucking. <laughs> oh, and this is also, and this is like one of my favorite fucking things, um, not just on this record, but anything. When it comes in there after they're fucking on the screen, mm-hmm. and then I clear my throat mm-hmm. right before I start singing, I'm like, <clears throat> they be fucking. That's um, a direct homage to Eminem's verse in the. B.O.B. Haley Williams song Aeroplanes Um, Because he's like Okay And then he drops what I think is like One of the best verses he's ever dropped Ever Mm. So There's no like irony there That is like true Like fanboy shit I was just like I want to do that shit right here (laughs) There's so much I want to dive into on just that statement though i I feel like you and i could probably talk about eminem until we're out of time (laughs) so let's (laughs) hold on to it for now um he's been such an interesting person to kind of like grow up with um but also i don't know that fucking song like at all so (laughs) yeah well it it was like it was a big hit but he was only on the um album only Mm mm-hmm version and it was like the one that like for like a year wasn't even on spotify it was really the like you have to buy the album in order to hear this Mm -hmm. and then it just so and it was really fucking good i mean like it really it's really a good verse man um it's like it's like everything he did in lose yourself but it's like less hallmarky mm-hmm. you know like yeah. it's less self-important and it's more like it's like it's like what you like about the old Eminem that it's like really like self-flagellating and self-aware yeah and and like I feel like I feel like while there's a little bit of that in lose yourself you know there's there's so much more like there's so much more rocky in lose yourself um, right. There's there's so much more Rocky two, Rocky three than Rocky one, if that makes sense. It does make sense because <laughs> it's 
um it's go it's ending in a goofy triumph mm -hmm. but uh but yeah so that's what that was and when i did that and then i i think that was something that at first people were like the other dudes were like you, you like kind of like cough at the beginning there, and I was like, "Oh no, that's from that fucking Eminem song." And they're like, "Okay, like again, like I see what we're going for here. This is like a this is like on a different <laughs> like we. I mean, I think Neil kind of like understands like what my fucking dumb ideas are. Mm -hmm. Like Dave and Dan are such pros and like so used to like very shiny records that they make. Yeah, you know that I think. And, like, not to say that, like, I mean, the Alkaline Trio and the Loved Ones and the Emergency Room and the the Mermaid all, like, dabble in, like, sort of humor and experimentation and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's as, like, slap dick and, like, <laughs> from the hip as this. Yeah. So I think uh, that... It's like, uh, and that's like what freed us up to be like, yeah, we're leaving the fucking laugh, and when when Dan laughs and fucking Sergio's here, you know, like shit yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's just like, nah, this is like, it's a fucking party record, man. I want I want it to sound like you're there and you hear us making a record. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, and I <laughs> very much enjoy what I would say is probably like by definition uh the writing exercise that follows which is Hasselhoff cheeseburger yes very much a writing exercise um let me make a goofy ska song and I'll rap on it yes yes it's I'm going to do a hip hop Ska song that sounds terrible. So if it's not terrible, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I actually play this one acoustic every once in a while. Oh, for real? Yeah, because somebody was like, "I still have cheeseburger, but you can't play that." And I was like, eh, "You know what, motherfucker? I bet I can." And it's actually not that hard to play acoustic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like suffer from the things that you know traditionally songs being translated to acoustic guitar suffer from which is like sort of like energy suck you know i mean this song is it's all percussive in the way that the guitars work anyway so mm -hmm. it's not like particularly fast or anything like that so yeah it's actually pretty easy it's just like to remember all the words um but it is it is pretty fun like the lyrical like uh whimsy i guess it goes into the mm -hmm. these, this first verse or whatever is fun and it's also whew, glad i memorized it you know <laughs> it's a i lot would of imagine words. so it, it's i think it's cool to see something where um it's clear that the words are dictated by only the word in front and the word after you're really just like going you're just using language to just let that 
dictate what's being said as it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I'm just like trying to go through them all. See, I can't remember what it says after overacting after all the audience is gone. Um, I used to catch that beating in the oh, station yeah. wagon seating. Repeating, repeating. Mm-hmm. I used to catch repeating in the station wagon seating. Well, I got a feeling. I got a trouble, trouble about to be in a baggie. Get your high naked if you don't go in a baggie. <laughs> Open up the hymn of legs. And someone showed your prayers. Grandma's goes and stomach crumbs behind up in there. Oh, yeah. See, it's like the, the little things like that, like the crime is closing and then this time the grime is piling up in layers. I always would like transpose crime and grime. Uh, and like little things like that that would like drive me crazy like when we play live because mm-hmm. it's like oh kind of sure. like lock into this like and it becomes like such a it, it, I mean it's it's like a fucking Rube Goldberg device, you know? It's like you hit the first thing and then it's just mm-hmm. like see at the end, you know? And and uh like there's um there's shit like that in um, like in the Lawrence Armstrong, um, Metropole, the song Metropole. At the end, we mm-hmm. go back and forth in this like very like fucking unusual like doubles, single doubles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just Chris, both of us, just me, just me. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Chris, both of us. Mm-hmm. Like it. And every time that we are on stage and we play that, you will see at the end, we'll either be like, yes, we did it. Or like, that was very close. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, um, it's just like one of, like, it's like fucking what? Like uh, Bill Buckner throwing a first base. Like once you start thinking about like, like, oh, this reflexive thing is no longer easy. Yeah. Then you can never do it again. Um, <laughs> and and it's like, I guess that's a terrible example because we can do all that stuff just fine. But um, yeah, the song is more like it, it's just fun to play the little games with yourself. I guess is the mm-hmm. is the point I'm trying to get at. Like like when I'm can I do crime is closing this time the crime is piling up in layers because it's more natural for me to do it the other way and so. We just hit those consonants, and the consonants like give you the beat. And yeah. you're, I feel like once you're in that rhythm, and this is, you know, we talked about this on Key to the City, where it's just like, you know, how that goes. It's just like, okay, I know the words that fit in here. Yeah. Throw them in. Like humping up the Himalayas. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Humping up the Himalayas, saying someone shitty prayers. <laughs> um,. The, uh, well, it's just like, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is like, um, like, um, this is all like, the, I mean, the first, the first line is like trying to like climb the outside of a rickety building. Right. And it's uh-huh. like, you know, this is just like, this is all about like aiming for like heights that uh that you're destined to not achieve right yeah. like the, mm-hmm. the pinnacle is david hasselhoff fucking <laughs> pissed drunk being filmed by his daughter manhandling a fucking cheeseburger in a pizza box shirtless at the top of the stairs you know like that's 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 as good as it gets um <laughs> and uh yeah and 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 like you know just like kind of coming to grips with like what you're 
What your ambitions being used for and what other people are sort of like looking at you to accomplish and then being like, oh, I haven't no, I never wanted to accomplish that. I wanted to accomplish something much stupider that has like little to no positive impact on the world at large. Um, you know, it probably will only destroy me in the process. Mm. And if it doesn't, it will definitely um encourage others to dislike me and encourage me to destroy myself. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, that's what this song is about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's fantastic. It's freaking fantastic. Um, Khaleesi, is that, is that game of Thrones? Khaleesi? Yeah, I'm a hairy old Khaleesi dragon, ass dragon on, overacting after all the audience has gone. Yeah, it's she's the mother of dragons. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I only got I got help on what Khaleesi means. I never watched that show before in my life. So yeah, she's the mother of dragons. So that's cool. She's just say, a I'm person, a hairy old though. Khaleesi dragon ass. Uh huh. <laughs> It was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it was she, good. She's, well, she's, I guess she's semi magical. Um, she comes from a, a, a realm from the, the, you know, the old, the old continent where where magic still existed and throve, and with her um, sexual awakening, so too did the. Um, magic of westeros become reawakened um you know if you really want to get into it but um (laughs) the um the other interesting thing about this song is that there's the fucking it's i'm re-upping the the fucking pardon rambling boys of pleasure in here where no i hate it i hate it i hate it Uh i hate it Uh uh-huh i remember i did that my wife's like Wait, you already have a part that says I hate it. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> it's sort of like a alt take on the same concept. Yeah. If you will. I don't know why shit like that is sometimes just passes me by. I'm busy like trying to figure out what what Khaleesi means or whatever. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that... um that part from the song that you're obsessed with you have a fucking tattoo about (laughs) it's just singing it again hello hello pay attention (laughs) um but hey yeah what you said though about magic really made me think about our patreon Patreon patreon.com Slash better sandwich. You want to talk about magical times? Oh, it's magic over there. Um, yeah, we. You know who we had on yesterday? Greg Barnett of the Menzingers. Um, a truly great hang. He was a uh, kind, eloquent, beautiful human, down to earth. Oh yeah, he's really um, like he remembers where he came from. He's uh, also rugged, 
Handsome. Uh, Extraordinarily wistful, handsome. Mm-hmm. Handsome. Yeah. Uh, wealthy. Yeah, real, he's got a real with ideas. thing going for him. I think, right? Well, Leonard, yeah, he's he's got he's got mystery, he's got intrigue, he's he writes beautiful songs. Um, These things are all true. It was nice. I I don't know that it's like my bit on here to say that everybody is my friend. And we talked to him, but it it was fun talking to talking to Greg. Had a had ourselves a great hang back in 2010 in Normal, Illinois. You were telling your story about like spilling sparks on your, on your son, on your your toddler, and I was like, yeah, I remember when Greg and I were drinking four locos and uh, singing Chesterfield King in front of my house. Yeah, man. Well, you know, it, what, whatever you're doing, whether you're spilling a fucking highly toxic uh, liquid on your newborn child. Or standing in a pit of despair, hellhole town in central Illinois, and um, throwing your life away one bottle of gnarly bullshit at a time. There's no better place to commiserate than on our Patreon. Um, You know, it's really, it's where fucking, it's where all of us go to die. It's like Valhalla in that way. Um, (laughs) And, um... Yeah, you should check it out. There's a lot of there's a lot of great interviews, and it, they're not really interviews so much as it's just like if you can imagine. Like, have you ever wanted to see like what it would be like to sit at the table with like Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro, but then like on a level of like complete idiocy and uh, obscure obscurity? It's just like that. Like, so if you if you want to see me bullshitting with. The guy from Elway, uh, or you know, uh, Dan Andriano. Um, it, it, you, we got that for you. We we have you covered. But if that's too fancy for you, and you just want to see us talking to like Toby, that there's that too. There's that too. I'm feeling like we got to get Marcus on there sometime soon. No, Marcus no, is- he's going. He's going nowhere near this. I have to keep those worlds separate because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the I like the Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro because I feel a lot like Joe Pesci's mom in Goodfellas, where I'm just kind of chiming in every once in a while. Tom Craig, you gotta get yourself a nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it is um, it is fun. We have we have a good time over there, and we've had a lot of really great guests. And it's always, I mean, I'm going to run out of friends soon, but so far it's always been people that I've felt very comfortable calling like the night before and being like, Hey, you want to do this thing for like an hour tomorrow? And you know, usually works out really is a testament to how fucking cool I am to have as a friend. You know, that's really the, if there's anyone that knows it's me, mm, your best you. friend in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So patreon.com slash better sandwich. Um, I also, if, uh, if you're, if you're looking for another podcast in your life, I restarted Better Yet. Launched that last week with an interview with Namdi, my good friend and uh, one of the great musical minds of our time and in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, so we have an interview with Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties. So those are dropping every Thursday on your podcast player of choice. 
except for Spotify right now. Brendan, they kicked me yeah. off of Spotify. I've heard. Um, yeah, I keep. Sorry, I've had a few. I've had a few. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with that. I don't know. I don't know what I can do, but um, Spotify, if you're listening, please oh. reinstate the Better Yet Pod. They said they said you used a song without permission, and I said I did 148 episodes of that show, and I used a different song without permission each time. Could you please tell me which one? Hello, hello. Well, you know, you know what they say. Uh, the world is a vampire. It is. I saw it. Speaking of Greg Barnett, I think it was the same show where I saw them play that song. And then they played Ringin' Are You There, Margaret? It's Me, God. And the Subterranean. Chicago, Illinois. Remember shows? No. Nope. Covers? Mm-mm. So... Dead Rose is the sixth song. Hope you all enjoyed our uh, our new format of doing the plugs after a couple songs. We're going to do that now, kind of like the single Jeopardy break in the middle. Talk to the guests. I think it's good. Good chance for us to spar. Mm-hmm. Um, Dead Rose. This is pretty funny timing for us to be talking about this song because David and I on... As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. This past episode, we talked about trios, two lips, two lungs, one tongue cover. And oh, yeah. the week before that, we talked about the song Smokestack, which is on the latest trio EP. But that's a song that is very much about this time as well. Going to Elgin, hanging out. Yeah, um, well, that this, you know, I know we just said Valhalla in the, um, in the fucking, I don't know what you want to call it, ad read is uh, irresponsibly overblown, but, um, the, this is like sort of like about like a sort of a return to Valhalla in that it's like, oh, this is where it all started. Uh I'll go, I'll go back there to die. You know, um, Can and, I ask and, and Valhalla is because I, I didn't is, know is, is the where the Norse gods where where they they hold their great their their great um, you know the great hall of Valhalla mm-hmm. is where all the Norse gods will welcome you to to dinner when you when you die if you mm-hmm. if you have like a true Viking funeral and stuff like that oh okay um, you know which is just I mean it's easy they just push you out in a canoe and then they fire mm-hmm. a flaming arrow into the canoe and then you burn up and the, you know and you like, drop your iPhone in the Delaware River well i mean that's sort of yeah that's that's sort of the <laughs> 2.0 version <laughs> but you know who says who says humanity's gotten soft mm-hmm. um <laughs> but but really the the thing is um you know you return you return to your like spiritual ancestral uh place of peace or whatever and um but in this case it's just like some shitty train tracks through like on the developed lake county out by elgin is that lake county out there is that kane county um i believe that is kane county yes kane county yeah um anyway whatever you know you get the idea bunch of fucking train tracks where like kids go out and get kegs and then 
stand around in the woods, give each other hand jobs, things of that nature. Um, and um, and so it's like a long of return to to youth, but I can understand that that can't really happen. And then there's like a whole part in the song that's sort of uh, sort of like that fantasy fulfillment of like. Yeah, I hope you're happy now that you've left me for this <laughs> other person. And mm-hmm. now, you know, like I and it's just like, I hope they're listening to you talk about your day. Like, that's in no way a kind thing to fucking say. Like, it's just the layers, I think, of like how shitty that is. Mm-hmm. It's like you won't even listen to me talk about my day. Oh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely won't, no. Um, I have no desire to do that. Oh, I hope this dildo is listening to you talk about your day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it's it's just really like the, um, the lashing out of a, like, hurt animal is like a, a good way to put it, you know? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that as a culture we've, uh, we've sort of, adopted the nice guys term of you know like the um oh i hope i hope that guy is putting up with you and then is at least able to uh end up sleeping with you because i did that i listened to you and you seem to not care about me so i hope it's working for him yeah, except for in this particular case, I think it's very much pointed back at the narrator because it's like, <laughs> I hope he's listening to you talk about your day and your plans to save and find a better place and move away. Those things are like laudable mm-hmm. um, things. To yeah, watch. sure. And it's, uh-huh. and it's like saying them with like venom dripping out of it. Yeah. You know, like, ooh. I hope he's listening to you talk about how bad chemo was today. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just it, it, there. There's a it, there's like a fucking self awareness there, and like you know the reason that Tim you you bring up uh, no means no. I think um, is is because in in this in this song before that it says uh you know. Um, I'm the one that's dying and you're playing along while I'm down in the basement jamming wrong, which is the name of the sort of essential no means no album. Uh-huh. And then it goes into two lips, two lungs and one tongue, all of them for you. That's a, uh, that's the song two lips, two lungs and one tongue by no means no. Yeah. But like the idea is like, I mean, those guys lived with their basement. Like they didn't start being a band until they were like 30 and uh, their parents' basement, their mom's basement. And and um so the idea that's like i i've given you all this when it's just like this ineffectual like jamming uh like noodly nonsense in a basement to yourself and it's like mm-hmm. hey I, this is all for you i hope you're happy now with somebody that's helping you buy a better house yeah <laughs> you know like yeah it's a real loser perspective man um I always love that, um, you know, the selfish, the selfish man, uh, does everything for himself and then is always like, it's all for you. 
It's yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, hero. Yeah. Um I love the pace of this song though and like the like the dynamic of it cuz it's um you know, it's a very like folky type of song, but I, it doesn't really like lean too heavy into that because it is like very full band but yeah the pace is like really nice the dynamics are really nice i feel like it's got a real like early 80s radio country kind of feel to it in Mm -hmm. terms of like the instrumentation and stuff this is one where dave came in and he had this thing he does it one time but he had it coming in like like as soon as the drum started, it was like this Fugazi type like figure that he was doing. It was like, mm-hmm. and and like, and he wanted it to go all the way through till when I said jamming wrong, and I was like, nah, I think it's fucking with the vibe, man. Like this is like, this was like the first the the first thing, and I was like, I love that thing. I'm like, what if you just do it once right here, and then you just kind of like uh-huh. sprinkle in a little bit of like atmosphere before that to keep it like a little more like outer space? Yeah. And then Dave was off to the races. He was like, oh man, we need an Evo. We'll do it like this. Now I know what the solo at the end sounds like. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's just got such such a great mind for like taking things in a new direction and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, and it it just like, but at first I was like, oh no, this isn't. And it was like it was such a cool guitar part that it's very hard to criticize, right? You know, like it's like right. it's like wow, mm-hmm. you really wrote this and it's kick ass. It's not exactly what I was I like. I want this song to sound more like it's falling apart because it's about a person that's falling apart, mm-hmm. um, you know. And this is like tightly wound, yeah. Like it was very fugazi ish, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, and so. So, like, um, yeah, I don't know. More of a testament to Dave's prowess. So, we say, like, yo, Dave, Dave's energy on like all of these sessions and his playing, it's just so fun to hear about because it seems like he is in such a. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I, I don't know if it's wrong of me to like assert this much but i identify with a very um when you get sober you get really into coffee and like doing shit and it Mm -hmm. seems like he's bringing like as much goodness as he's got going into all of it where you know when you say like i don't know if it's working here he's just like all right cool well i got all this stuff right yeah i know i think that i think that's fair i mean you know, obviously, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but like, that is he. He does bring a good energy and like a not just a willingness, but an eagerness to like get things into like the exact space they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and yeah, it was, it was really like kind of an intoxicating, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ironically, um, you know, it, like energy. It was it was good. It, I think it, I think it brought out the best in me and all of us really. Yeah, that's that's really cool to hear and it's always um it's always inspiring I think 
to um, to hear about somebody turning their energy around. It's possible for all of us, and there's a great there's a great aspect of like sober people where it's you're replacing it with something. It can be anything, and sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's getting more guitar pedals and drinking a lot of coffee. Sometimes it's starting too many podcasts. Who knows? <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, this is this is a cool. Um, I guess like the juxtaposition of like very uh, real experience for you from high school going out to Elgin with all those slapstick people, you know, no means no is in the air. You're also like doing suburban shit, like getting a bottle of old crow and going to the fucking train tracks. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, still I mean, it's like, yeah, wild world. Well, you know, I mean like the, I mean the idea again is like, it's like, this is somebody that's just like left their significant other or been kicked out by their significant other. Who's now like moved on. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know when this didn't bother me back in high school? I'm going back to that right now. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, there's, like, a little realization at the end there that's, like, well, I woke up in a fucking dumpster with a nosebleed from, <laughs> you know, fucking sitting in my car because I was afraid of those ladies and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I really still love you and mm, fuck, fucked up. Um, d- man, Dave doing that guitar solo at the end, that doop, yeah. doop, doop. He's like, yeah, I want to do this thing that we're like, never quite get started. Like, it, you could, you feel it wanting to go, but it just never quite goes. And I was like, I know exactly what like you're saying, like in theory, and I love it. Let's go. Let's do it. And then we do it. And Hennessy was like, what about something like this? And just like, and Hennessy's a shredder, you know? And he's yeah. just like, and I was like, well, you know, man. Yeah, that's cool, but I think that this, like, fucking, this is, this is the song. Like, this is the the sentiment in, in the, in the form of a guitar line mm-hmm. of the song, mm-hmm. you know? It's just like, like, sort of strangulated. Um, <laughs> failure to launch type shit. Um, it's cool though, man. I, lo- I love I love the way this song turned out. This is one of my favorites on the record, actually. Um, yeah, mine too. Um, the this is just a vibe that I think um, you're very at home in, and I think it's something that you could do more of for sure. As far as yeah. like troubadour shit, yeah, no, this shit, this shit's really fun and it feels really natural, and I, I really enjoy doing it, and like, I really like the results, and mm-hmm. like, I like being able to sing like this. When we were on this tour, Merle Haggard died, and um, I have a huge Merle Haggard tattoo on my chest, like I'm a yeah. big fan, and uh, I was really sad, and then. Because of like sort of like the nature of how this song kind of turned out, at the end of this, after "How I Love You So," mm-hmm. oh, and then I'll go, 
Poncho needs your prayers, it's true. Save a few for Lefty, too. Yeah. But that's that's Towns Van Zandt. That is Towns, uh-huh. But it's the Merle line that, like... It's actually, like, my favorite single line that he sings. Mm. Um, You know, so... Uh, and it fits note-wise. And also, I kind of did it on the fly. So yeah. I wasn't really trying to do too much. I was just like, oh, Merle Haggard, man, he's dead. And then and it fit. Now, like, when we play live, I'll do that every time. Mm-hmm. little Merle Haggard tribute. I mean, like, who cares? But, you know, I we're care. getting into minutia and detail as we seem to be on this <laughs> podcast. I don't think I've heard the Merle Haggard version of that song. So... If this oh, is a great, and Lefty? yeah, it's it's the Willie Nelson version. Merle Haggard does the third verse. Oh right, right, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's in a lot of ways superior, and in a lot of ways not even fit to hold the jockstrap of the original. I mean, that's you, the, yeah, that's towns. But also. It's fucking Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's not like it's not like two dipshits fucking cruising in on a couple of motorized scooters, being like, "All right, we'll take this song to task." It's like, no, yeah. we're the best at this. Yeah, the song's pretty good. It, like, we're not gonna fuck it up, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like when a young Metallica covers "Last Caress." It's like, say what you will about what Metallica's become, but like mm-hmm. at the time, it's like, yeah, we. We got you, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that that's really sadly like a lost art is just the fact that you know respect is an Otis Redding song, and Aretha Franklin just knocked it out of the park. It's like one of the greatest songs that's ever recorded. The Otis Redding version is fucking incredible too, and that's just how it is. People just sang songs. Oh yeah, I mean like you you can even see like in in like the like the sixties and the, through the eighties in like the world of country, people would write a song and then people would cover it and record it and put it out and they'd both be out at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> just be like, ooh, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my version of it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and like fucking it's it's wild. Yeah. And, and like, I, I like that shit. I liked, like, when when Green Day, uh, when 15 covered Green Day at Gilman Street, mm-hmm. like, back when Green Day was a Gilman band, you know? Yeah. And then, like, Green Day covered 15 mm-hmm. and Operation Ivy, you know? It was like, shit was all pretty fun. Yeah. That's, uh, that is a cool, like, aspect that has kind of died out is just the like the idea that the band is there to be the entertainment so of course they're gonna play songs that everybody knows every if everybody knows the song we already talked about the menzingers playing a lawrence arm song though right well that yeah that is true um i guess i guess the one last thing i should probably say about dead rose um before we move on is that uh I thought that it was the last song I wrote for the record and I thought that maybe it was too slow and like counter to what the the whole vibe was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. 
And Danny was like, I feel very strongly that we should put this on the record. It's about the tracks, man. It's about the pits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that shit's got a lot to do with why we're in this band in the first place. So, you know, Dan Adriano, beacon of punk rock. He knows. Well, and then he put he put out Smokestacks just last year. It seems very much of the same uh, spirit. He is, um, he's nothing if not incredible, Tim. <laughs> I would know he's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. The fighter, the rube, the asshole. It's nice, like, I think that these two songs, like, really exist in a nice, like, suite of kind of campfire folky jams. Yeah, this one is. Maybe you tell me if I'm wrong. To me, this is like the falconiest falcon song. Mm. Like it's like the, you know, just like the the fucking. I can't even think of what the beginning line of this song is now. Um, Depressed, and he sings about whiskey. Oh yeah, but it's just like. And then it just like goes into like these like soaring fucking vocal things and everything. I think this is the song that a lot of people were referencing when they said that the new songs on um, Skeleton Coast sound like Falcon songs. Ah, okay. Um, I think I think that that's where they're getting that because this is. I feel like this is just like a. This to me checks all the boxes of what you think of when you think of a Falcon song, down to the weird psychedelic bridge or whatever yeah. th- that comes in th- in this. But um, I really like this song. Um, this song is this song is like a diss track. <laughs> um, and it's about just like your. Fucking beautiful punk rock gods singing about like despair and sadness and you know like pissing the bed mm-hmm. and throwing up blood and you know having <laughs> no friends and like their substance abuse when none of that is fucking real at all yeah you know or, or just being like I'm just you know stupid and you know I, and it's like no you. <laughs> Fucking went to an Ivy League college, like asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not, you're you're not a fighter. Yeah, you're not a rube. You're a fucking asshole. You know, you're fucking, you're you're standing in, on my corner, fucking singing my songs mm-hmm. that you didn't live, man. Yeah. So get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, that's what this song is sort of about. You've never shaken and barfed in your bed even once. Is like <laughs> such. A great poser test. <laughs> like, who do you think you've never? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but like, like, um, you know, like, uh, 
Well, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like this like fake derangement. It comes out and it's just like I'm dying. I'm so mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. obviously, you know, for every I don't even like to use the word poser, but when it comes to like capitalizing on other people's like mental illness or and which of which you know addiction yeah. is obviously one mm-hmm. right um it, it becomes like a little bit more i feel like there's a little bit more leeway to call people posers um you know um and it's like oh you you hear it all the time about people just like fucking ODing in their fucking bunks on their bus or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like i had no idea but it's never these fucking guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 never the people that are like, oh, you know, I'm dying or whatever. Uh-huh. And which I mean, I guess is me, but I don't I don't I don't want to OD. Um, but I don't know. I've fallen off the stage enough. You guys fucking know the score. I try to keep it together now. I got kids. Um, but uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? I do. It's like. You've never shaken and barfed in your bed even once. Mm-hmm. It seems like a cr- like oh, you've never even like f- fucked another hobo for fifteen bucks and a rock of crack. You fucking total pansy. You know right. it's like you've never lived. But when you're talking about the the sort of like extreme lives that some of these like narrators are claiming to live mm-hmm. this isn't really that much of a litmus test yeah i mean <laughs> you know it's it's become such a like an overworked bit but half-baked uh danny tanner i've sucked dick for crack um but then also like my sister is 19 20 years old mm-hmm. so I've taken her to concerts at the Aragon Ballroom, uh, places like that, to see bands like uh, Of Mice and Men, uh, Sleeping with Sirens. This is the kind of shit I'm talking about Mm -hmm. very much. This is very much the kind of shit I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like looking at these people and I'm like, you're fucking jumping on a tragedy wagon that you don't even understand, you know? Like, here's what I know about people that have, like, serious problems with stuff. Mm -hmm. They understate them. Yeah. They they obfuscate them. They fucking, you know, if they sing about it, um, it's... It's in a very poetic and non-specific sort of way. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing with like, it's the the bottle of painkillers, right? Where your your spouse or partner or whatever sees your huge bottle of painkillers is almost gone, and the addict will go, "Okay, yeah, I have been taking too many of those, but what happened was." The other day I was cleaning and I knocked a bunch down the sink. So mm-hmm. like I have been taking too many, but <laughs> it's not as many as it looks like. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That's real addiction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like and like up it, I don't know. It, it, it just like fucking rubs me the wrong way, man. Yeah. Um, That's a really interesting and, way to put it because it's like acknowledgement of the problem but also not 
coming to terms with the actual problem severity yeah Yeah. um yeah it was uh it was an interesting uh set of experiences like going to some of those shows because you know she's a she's a teenage girl she's Mm -hmm. um identifying with uh music that's about self-harm um about depression and uh a heavily romanticized um version of depression which is personalized to her to such an extent that i'm sitting there watching it and saying like i i want to fucking kick the shit out of all of you because you're you're hurting her with this music in it, mm-hmm. it, it in ways that um you know i i don't want to go into like certain extremes you know about like the realities of uh of depression and how it works and it's not like something makes you depressed but there is something that is in there that's just like feeding you crumbs and saying like it's okay i'll take care of you you're still in that cage getting fed crumbs yeah it's you know the the sort of economic culture of selling tragedy is not one that should be strange to any american mm-hmm. at all right. you know and and it can be used to like great positive effect like i i would point to nwa as um an artist that sold tragedy to the masses in a way that like mm-hmm. was very consciousness raising you know mm-hmm. um but they did it in a way that was like yeah this is my life fuck you yeah. you know and that's like you know i know i sing a lot about like fucking uh fucked up stuff that's very similar to what i'm talking about right now but i either like to try to couch it in like that kind of thing like yep go fuck yourself we're Mm -hmm. we're partying over here Mm -hmm. or like and i'm very pathetic as a result you know (laughs) it's like and and not like you know like woe is me sort of way like in a i hope he's listening to your talk about your day kind of way you know like (laughs) where it's like embarrassing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like there's no there's no like romance to it i hope i don't know um you know call me on my shit maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just as guilty of this as anyone and that's why this angers me so much that that's a perfectly reasonable psychological explanation i think it's really reasonable to like uh see something like that analyze uh what part of yourself you might see in it and say fuck off to all the predatory shit and i fucking remember going on one of those shows and and they 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 would just they would stop songs and and dedicate them to like fans who like like committed suicide and it's like that is so irresponsible it's a very weird thing to do yeah um it is not bad to dedicate a song to a fan that's killed himself it is terribly irresponsible for you as some jack off that just showed up at the show 
to get that information from the band as to how they died. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, <laughs> there's a big, humongous, gaping chasm there. Like, like if, if, uh, <laughs> if it's like, yo, Lawrence Armstrong, I'm like, this goes out to Tim Crisp. Rest in peace, brother. <laughs> that That is one thing. Uh-huh. Another thing entirely. It's out to our brother, Tim Crisp, who committed suicide. <laughs> Songs about how dope suicide is also, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's wildly irresponsible. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, like, yeah. you know what? Even for us, it would not be as irresponsible because, like, our fans are a bunch of fucking men and women mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we do have young kids at, at our shows, but, like, for the most part, we don't. Um, we do have younger kids at our shows. That's the only way that like our band can grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only way a band can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, I mean, I would feel irresponsible doing that, even in such a mixed crowd, in such a crowd where like, you know, these like she wants revenge type bands. And I don't know right. what that band is. Yeah, I don't yeah. know I specifically. Know I'm not though. talking. Uh-huh. Uh, just like where it is, like a bunch of 19 year old girls that are all like living live journals or whatever the fuck you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. uh it 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 it's just so grossly irresponsible to toy with that and like lionize um those kind of like actions um what's funny to me more than anything is that this is one of the funniest songs on this record and this is a very dark conversation that it's spawning <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know there's something going on lately that's just making me think of uh, bad shit. I don't know what it is. It's a beautiful day out. It is. It is a beautiful day. Um. Well, shit. Should we? Should we? Should we stick with this one so we can put a a happy note on it, or should we just uh, leave it in torment? Uh. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I think I think it's really funny. You know, it's like I don't believe you're a fighter. I don't believe you're a rube. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the I'm up here dying, head full of pills. What, what does it say? Handful, fingers, fingers of song. rubber, a heart fingers full of, of rubber, chills, heart full of chills. Oh, which is supposed to be like the the classic, like you know, I got so many pills in me and and everything. And then I like did that echo effect, so. Mm-hmm. It would be even more like nuanced as to how fucked up the guy's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. And then the next part is inspired by my friend Rico, who actually, if you saw me say hi to Rico, you'd be like, "Oh, you call yourselves friends?" Rico is a Vietnam veteran. Uh-huh. Um, he's a like four foot eleven Puerto Rican guy, um, and he's meaner than shit. He's like, he's like an old dog. Uh-huh. That will like just bark at you no matter how long you've known yeah. him, and then eventually he'll settle in and be like, "Oh yeah, Kelly, okay, um, you see that shit on TV the other day?" You know, like like you know, after like an hour of just ignoring me, I walk in and be like, "What's up, Rico?" Uh-huh. Yeah, you know nothing. No, Cotton <laughs> and then, Hill, and then eventually he'll warm up and like I I I consider Rico to be pretty like good friend of mine mm-hmm. you know and rico lives alone he was in vietnam that's the defining 
thing that happened in his life. He's mm-hmm. an engineer at a CPS grade schools. Um, he was a Marine in Vietnam, and he was small. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Cabrini Green, um, and he, so he was, you know, poor and s- slim and not tall. So he was like the rat hole dude yeah. in Vietnam, right? Mm-hmm. And like he would like crawl down the fucking mud tunnels, <laughs> would like go up into like you know Charlie territory, <laughs> just like wow. have to like start shooting before he even popped through the mud, yeah. you know? And uh, that's just crazy, yeah. right? You know, and that like somewhere someone's on fire, somewhere a boy's about to die, somewhere down in the rat holes they're praying to come up alive. Uh-huh. Right, like I was thinking of Rico and like what he's been through, and the way you know what Rico doesn't talk about a lot specific missions in Vietnam. Yeah, <laughs> he'll talk about how he was there mm-hmm. all day yeah. long. He'll talk about how he was a Marine, but he doesn't sit there and go, "Yeah, yeah." And then I popped out of the fucking shit, and you know, watched fucking Jimmy die, and mm-hmm. like that shit doesn't come up. Yeah, because it's fucking real tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, someone on fire is like a reference to the fucking Tibetan monks that set themselves on fire to protest the Vietnam War. Oh, wow. You know, somewhere a boy's about to die, somewhere down the rat hole, he's praying to come up alive. Mm -hmm. That's Rico. Wow. And then this is the part where the pretty ones laugh while they're pretending to cry is the reference to like, oh, man, that sounds terrible. I, too, have suffered. Yeah. Um, this goes out to Tim Crisp who committed suicide, you know, like, like, yeah. So, you know, the whole, like, you know, you know, beat on your drum to the only God you've ever known, Mm -hmm. which is obviously yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But stay the fuck out of my alley, man. This is my home. (laughs) Like, like, fuck out of here with your fake ass fucking tragic yeah i i love that this is like such a it's like a collection of folks of like travelers that we have that kind of like congregate around this place and then there's like oh this asshole who showed up later than everybody else but he's gonna he's gonna put it all together into song for us. He's going to be like our, our representative. Um, he just so happens to be like, you know, good looking and charismatic and yeah, but he, he, he wants us to believe like that he understands our suffering and it's like, no, you don't No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, you, 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 it has nothing to do with anything. Like, I know people that have really, like, gone through some fucking traumatic shit. Mm-hmm. Again, they don't talk about it. Yeah. That's sort, of, that's sort of the thing. But so, yeah, I think this song is a fun one. It's got, I guess, I never really thought about it as a serious topic. I always thought about it as pretty funny. Um, but, you know, when you dissect it like this, it becomes a lot more serious. But, um, yeah. I like this one. And then it ends with, Asshole! <laughs> Which... Classic Haas, man. <laughs> Last word Haas. You know? That's, yeah. that's what we call him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last word 
for the last 20 minutes of our Patreon conversation. Patreon.com slash better yet podcasts. Love the guy. Uh, speaking of, if Dave did it, track. If Dave, if Dave did eight. it. Um, so the title is a play on the O.J. Simpson book title, mm-hmm. If I Did mm-hmm. It. Um, and... It's a weird one. Um, this song came together, and I think that just because it came from a different sensibility. I mean, it's like that. The beat is crazy on it. Mm-hmm. Like the the way it the way it flows is crazy. And I think at first we were all like, "Huh, this song is weird," and it's so dry and it's like delivery of what's going on mm-hmm. that. I think that there was also like a like ah, this is like really pushing the envelope, and I remember Dave was like, "Is this too fucking like? Do I sound too much like an actual like men's rights um, <laughs> activist here?" Yeah. And and I was like, "No, I no it, like it works in the context. Like everybody knows you, everybody knows what's going on, and but it is very dry." And I think you're talking about the B word that opens it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, just the entire song about murdering women. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but. And I think there was never a point where I was like, this song shouldn't be on the record. There was a point where I was like, I don't know how well this song fits on the record, but like. And then the record came out and this is like, hands down the most popular song on the record by far <laughs> you know yeah. I was like I don't know if the the attitude is like oh no no okay okay so this is actually okay yeah alright uh, you know <laughs> and I mean <laughs> I don't know if Falcon fans will accept a different singer <laughs> yeah no I mean it, I, think, I think there was a lot I don't think it was like being precious as much as being cautious about like I don't know. I mean, maybe that is just being precious. And I was but, just teasing. No, but I, I never. Uh, There's never a point where I was like, I don't think Dave's songs should be on the record. Right. There was a point where I was like, I don't know how it fits. And I'll tell you how it fits, Tim. It fits as the everybody's favorite song on the record, <laughs> the best song on the record. There you go. That's how it fits. <laughs> um. Can we talk about OJ? Yeah, we can talk about OJ. Hell yeah. I mean, that's kind of... There's a lot of OJ in this song. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Dave lives in LA, and I think... It, this song is about somebody... Specifically, I think... Um, in fact, the word bitch in the beginning of this song is not about right. a woman. Um, but, uh, I think then it is like refiltered through a lens of OJ like proportions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and it, it is, well, it's told from the perspective of OJ dealing with somebody that Dave doesn't really like mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this was when the um, ESPN documentary 
series, OJ Made in America, came out probably like right around this time. Um, so that might make sense that uh, OJ was just on Dave's mind in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, Dave's always wearing OJ jerseys everywhere. So, you know, I think that might have something to do with it, too. He's just his favorite. I have a real interesting, like, um, you know, I think I was, well, I know I was eight. I was eight years old. And I was in first grade. And the day of the OJ chase, there's actually a really cool 30 for 30 documentary that ESPN made about that day called June 16th i think 1994 because there was um a lot of stuff going on that day in sports so it's like it's like footage told in in real time what what okay all right um and part of that was the new york rangers stanley cup parade was that day in the morning and i went with my dad and then the OJ chase happened that night, but I don't really remember that because I'm still young enough to where everything is like a little uh, non-sequential. Sure. But like that summer, that was all anybody was talking about. So it was a it was an interesting time to just like gain self-awareness um, with this like crazy murder trial that's happening and everybody's talking about it nonstop. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it invented the 24 hour news cycle. Um, it made a friend of ours, mom go crazy. She started like, she left her husband and started living in a coach house and then like went out into the desert to do stuff because she became like a, she watched every second of the OJ trial. I mean, the whole thing, like the OJ trial in a lot of ways is what paved the way for the hellscape we live in mm-hmm. now. I mean, there would be no 24-hour news cycle. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, once... Who who, who fucking knows, like, how, how things work out? But it seems to me that, like, these sort of, like, very politicized um, news channels... They they burst forth from OJ, Fox News taking a great mm-hmm. lead, leading to the sort of stolen election of George mm-hmm. W. Bush, leading to the uh, events of September 11th, leading to the response, which is a botched war in Iraq, leading to permanent war, leading to the election of Barack Obama, leading to a racist backlash, leading to the election of Donald Trump and the dissolution of democracy altogether, if fucking uh ron perlman ron perlman no that's fucking that's the fucking hellboy uh <laughs> ron goldman uh-huh. um <laughs> and nicole brown simpson had just been able to fucking run faster than the greatest fucking running back of all time <laughs> you know uh, none of this would have ever happened uh, <laughs> that, that's what single-handedly i'm single-handedly ended Man. the ford bronco a fantastic sports utility vehicle with with plenty of utility it, yeah that's um, the tragedy i see but go on 
it's it's a fucked up thing. Well, I, I feel like if it if it wasn't OJ, it would be something else. But OJ was just perfect for the job. Nah, I see it as e equals MC squared, where like you talk to like you know theoretical astrophysicists, and they're like, no, if Einstein hadn't come along, really nobody would have come up with this. Like this wasn't yeah. something that was like like percolating near mm -hmm. the surface. It, it's like it had to be OJ. It had to like involve all that stuff. Um, the, the sort of like all, yeah, I don't even want to get into it. I'm not qualified. I'm a white guy. I don't need to talk about like what OJ, you know, nope, 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 nope. Song's pretty cool though. Um, it's everybody's favorite song on the record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, um, it features Neil doing just the most ridiculous drum solo of all time. Yeah, is he? Is it you and Neil um, going back on back and forth? Did he say hipster ass? And is that Neil who says pud? I can't make out everything he said. <laughs> he says pud, yeah, no, which is great, great move, Neil. I think I think we were just trying to throw in a little bit of that, like um, that same like sort of whimsy into this mm -hmm. song. That was uh, that was present in like Sergio's here with the yeah. laugh and in like um, bleed for me whatever that's really called uh, skeleton dance um, with like the the Eminem like throat mm -hmm. clearing and unfortunately I think I've read like well I got or maybe I just got, got a comment somewhere that was like I feel like you're trying to negate. Dave's words when it's like, did he say hipster ass? And it was like, no, we're just kind of having fun with it. Um, but I, I, I really feel badly if that's the way it came across. Like that wasn't the uh -huh. intent at all. You know, it was, it was more the same. I know I shouldn't listen to things right. like that yeah. and I shouldn't pay attention to it. And I definitely shouldn't remember mm -hmm. it fucking 10 years later or whatever the fuck it is. But it sure, it sure has a way yeah. of sticking with you though. Those negative comments. Yeah, they they sure do, but but if anything, that is a negative comment. That's like you should have trusted Dave, and I I did trust Dave, and but like the, the, the songs are not great, man. Mm -hmm. You know, we only played one show ever in not in the United States. Well, no, we played in Canada, but not in North mm -hmm. America, and we flew over to play Gros Rock um, in Belgium which is a great festival. And, um, you know, we'd already done some touring and stuff and we were used to like the dynamic of the band and like the dynamic of sort of fandom that occurs. Like, you know, Dan's got like his like fucking weird, like dads and alkaline trio ladies that come. Mm -hmm. And then like, I think a lot of the people are like Lawrence yeah. arms fans that just like this, like not the Lawrence arms, but it has a lot in mm -hmm. common. And then like, there's some, like some Dave people that come out, but in Europe, Dave Haas fan club, straight up there, like not, not like, oh, this was like a Dave Haas fan club. Like, um, hi, we are the Dave Haas uh -huh. fan club. Um, where can we go meet Dave? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> straight up actual Dave Haas fan club. <laughs> and we were like, oh. Well, that they see that yeah, last so. name and they're like, "Oh, yes, he's one of us." No, he's fucking no. Dave, I mean, Dave, 
Dave does a lot of great work, and uh, Europe was quicker to pick up on it than than the states. I think. I mean, he's he's fucking huge over there, and but it it's just like it's one thing to be like, oh, Dave's playing big ass shows in Europe. It's another thing to go with a band where you kind of like feel like you know what the dynamic uh-huh. is and everything, and then get to like a show in Europe and be like, oh, Dave is the whole reason anyone's here to see us. <laughs> it's crazy. My like number one takeaway from this song every single time is that Dave writes such good choruses and it just made me miss the love, the loved ones so much not to, not to besmirch the good name of the mermaid, but yeah, Yeah, well it's it's the, it's the punk, the punk Dave Haas and, uh, and the mermaid is definitely more of like a kind of like indie rock or like, I don't, I don't It's singer songwriter. The phrase music. adult contemporary still like fucking I bad. Think that's what uh, our, yeah, our favorite band, the Goo Goo Dolls, became. Yeah, yeah. But like but uh, yeah, no, he I mean he writes a hell of a hook, man, and he he's great and this the song yeah, you're right. It's like I mean he puts this like fucking I it's just so crazy because I don't even see how you write a song with that beat. Like that's like how different my brain works than mm-hmm. that. Like, like I believe Neil was like, "Wait, something like this," and then he just started doing that. And Dave's like, "Yeah, no, that's exactly right." And you know, Neil's so used to fucking you know following the lead of Chris and mm-hmm. myself that I think he was like, "Oh, I mean, obviously he can do it," and it's like, but but it's just like, it's just like it's odd to like get into somebody else's laboratory. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, after so long, um, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. This song, this song's great. Like I said, it's the most popular song on the record. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's got a total like hot for teacher fucking thing going on. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap it with sailor's grave um i like this one not too many you don't find too many nautical themes in punk rock so this one really stuck out <laughs> <to> me. <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. um this one this is like the beginning of like a little <sighs> sounds pretty cool i think um I think it's real easy to be like overlooked. It's like got a very simple, simple premise, simple chord structure. And then like, but this was one that like I wrote and I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. Put a bunch of woes in it. It'll be like kind of Mm -hmm. falcony. Definitely one of the most fun, fun ones to play live. If any of these, one of the most popular songs Mm -hmm. on the record, um, uh, very surprised. I mean, I could play this one acoustic and not even have to go near the mic at this point. Yeah. You know, like it's it's very. We we did a show. I think maybe I did a solo show in Seattle at a record store, and I played this, and I was like, "Wow, people really know this fucking song." Yeah. Um, I think it's a. Uh, yeah, it's 
you know, it's 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 all my bullshit. It's you know, mother, can you hear me? This this song is uh, based in the book, um, the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, Chaban. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you say mm-hmm. his name. I've only it's read a good it. book. Chaban? I think it's Chaban. Yeah, that's um, a really good book. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when they go to? Antarctica, and they had to eat the dogs. Yeah, yeah. That's like the first line, you know, Mother, can you hear me? Words freezing, salty mm-hmm. gasps. I ate the dog so long ago, I don't know if I could last. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It was, a, it was a while uh, ago, but that's all. I remember yeah, a lot of that um, book now that I'm thinking about it. Um, school book. About gay Jews that make comics, um, and they hang out with the stars. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. So, oh, so th- this is like, give me situation, give me Puck and Judd. Is that real? Uh, yeah, and situation is from Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I hate those motherfuckers, but at least they're pumping blood. You know, uh, like the idea of just isolation and being like, these are some of the worst fucking manifestations of the worst traits of all of humanity. And I would give anything for them right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, like this is. This is about isolation. I mean, it starts off with, like, the dogs have been eaten long ago uh-huh. in Antarctica, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then and then it's like, you know, I'd give anything. And, like, Puck and Judd, specifically from Real World 2, San Francisco, were two people that I hated mm-hmm. so very much. Also 1994. And, and I hated, like... Sortino, the situation. Terrible. Oh, I, I, I enjoyed watching his mm-hmm. antics, mm-hmm. I, I guess. Puck and Judd both, to me, were such overwrought opposite sides of the same coin. And there's no reason to go into them at all, because who cares? <laughs> um, but, but the situation just seemed too funny not to include, even though it's a little bit different. And then, we, had uh, real, we had a real situation renaissance over at uh, at our home at the beginning of quarantine because. Would you get an ab flex or something? Uh, no, we just said, <laughs> "Well, <laughs> um, it's been uh, three weeks, so what should we do now? Let's watch, let's watch through Jersey Shore again, which was great. Um, actually, a lot of fun watching Situation be sober." Cause, dude, uh, dude, fucking walks the walk. Um, but what was also funny is that right after we finished Jersey, Sh- right after we finished Jersey Shore, I was like, I like to watch a season of the Real World. So I just watched the season of the Real World, like right after we watched Jersey Shore in March, and the same which season, season three, San Francisco. Yeah, oh. so I saw Puck get kicked out of the house, and I saw Judd and... I don't believe that he stuck his finger right in the peanut butter. I don't believe he did that. Dude, we used to say that shit to each other all the time. I mean, to this day, if I see Kellenberger 
or McCoggin or Danny, and I, I'm just like, I don't believe it. I won't even be able to get out. He stuck his finger right in the peanut butter without, without one of those motherfuckers doing it. And I don't know why, like, we do Pedro in, like, a fucking thick Teutonic mm-hmm. accent when he's obviously, you know, fucking right. South American. But, uh... <laughs> it's just that's the way Kellenberger started doing it because it's funnier and like I said all of our comedy just is comes from the well of Robbie Kellenberger I, I don't believe it he stuck his finger right in the peanut butter <laughs> oh Man, this must be so interesting to literally everyone who has no idea what we're talking about. Hi, Rob. Um, so, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, this, this this sounds pretty cool. Um, we marched forward to stupid songs of war, painted volleyballs. That's uh, cast away. I like that section. That section's like cast, cast. away slash Lord of the Flies slash mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a little bit of like. Apocalypto. I lo- I just love the the windmills. It, it, that's fucking crazy. Well, that's Don Quixote. Oh, okay, okay. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, like actual books. Yeah, no. I mean, who would? But I mean, like this is all just like this is all severe isolation, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's the the real takeaway here. It's like starts in Antarctica. It goes even to like somebody dying for like. The affection of real world and Jersey Shore cast members, but it's also very isolating to be on those shows as well, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then, like obviously, the dying sailor is, you know, I mean, the, there's an isolation mm-hmm. in that, right? But I mean, that's the metaphor. That's not what the song is really. Oh, about. so you're using the, sailors and like that as a metaphor. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like the it's the it's the fucking. That's the the real stuff is the stuff in in the fucking more of the verses, right. you know, like the the Lord of the Flies stuff. The uh, you know that's obviously real. Um, the Castaway mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it's it's all it's all the same fucking metaphor for just being like completely isolated. And then Don Quixote, which also completely isolated. Um, I like the way that like the. Gimme situation, gimme fucking Judd comes out because it's like, well, one, it's not capitalized in the lyrics as they're printed. So mm-hmm. just reading it as like, give me situation, like, like a situation comedy. It's like what everything <laughs> that you see in any sort of like dr- drama is, it's just people in situations. And right. I don't know. I don't know if that was a purposeful one on your part. There's a great Rick and Morty of called People in Situations where it's a bunch of clones of the situation <laughs> bent over and just different people fucking them in the ass. Uh, <laughs> people in Situations. You can watch it on, on uh, what is it, Interdimensional Cable. Uh, if you're out there, Dan Harmon, I can write for you easily, uh, if that's not clear. Um, so, we come uh, from the same, like, recovering pervert uh, sphere of slacker. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to get into a fucking culture with a worse uh, fan base. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I'm fine with Eminem. Thank you very much. Not you guys. I love you guys. We know that um, you all get it. 
Yeah. That's uh I mean this one's easy. It's just like verse, verse, like tiny bridge, mm-hmm. choruses, a lot of woes. Um It's a lot of fun. You know, I, I mean I think I think the takeaway is like sometimes less is more, man. Like the the, the song I I wrote it, I thought it was like fun little sea shanty mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the it's one of the more popular ones on yeah. the record. It's it's a lot like Unicorn Odyssey, um, I think, in just the way it seems to come out pretty easily, and um, there's just like a like a a woven in like feeling of just this song all fits in a very like special way, and it's. It's like a mm-hmm. neat package, whether whether it's like great or mediocre or terrible, it's it like came out in one like prefabricated meal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, this is our podcast. Yeah, it is. It's called Road to the Skeleton Coast, and we thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, please rate and subscribe, and uh, tell your friends. And come back next week. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. It's a real rockin' party over there. And we invite you to join it. Join us. Join us. <laughs> join us. We'll be back next week. We'll f- join us. <laughs> Thank you, friends.